0: Hi, how would you like to advertise on Conversations with Dwyer? You can advertise your band, a new album, your company, a service you provide, or just yourself, and it will be heard around the world, and it will live on that episode or multiple episodes forever. Email me at conversationswithdwyer, and we could begin discussing how to get your advertisement up on an episode or multiple episodes of Conversations with Dwyer. Again, email me at conversationswithdwyer.com at gmail.com. And remember, that ad will be heard around the world. Now, how about we enjoy this latest episode of Conversations with Dwyer. Welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in is pre-post-period blues by the band Bad Waitress. And if you guessed that my guest today is a member of that band, you're correct. It would be Caitlin Molgaard, who is the lead guitarist for the band. And we had a really great talk. And if you like uh, Bad Waitress, uh, all the things... Bad Waitress is in the show notes, so you could go to their social media. You could go buy some things. I highly suggest you buy music, don't stream it, because musicians deserve to be paid for their work. There, I said it. I've never said it before on this podcast before. Pay your artists. Okay, I say it all the time. Uh, I'd like to thank the people over at Royal Mountain Records for making this happen. I messaged them. I said, hey, I would like someone from Bad Waitress. They sent me Caitlin, and then Caitlin and I had a really great recorded conversation. This intro, however, has been really impossible to <laughs> record. My daughter came in and started talking to me because she needed cereal. Uh, we moved, and I'm trying to make a setup in the garage where I have a little corner studio, but it's a lot louder than I thought, so car alarms were going off. And it looks more like a place you'd put a hostage to make their ransom video than a place you'd podcast, but I'm working on it, and I'm getting there. I hope. But anyway... Uh, and if you like uh, this podcast, or if you if you are here for the first time, uh, go back and check out old episodes. I've got a rich library of past guests, and it keeps growing and growing and growing. Um, I had Wayne Coyne on from the Flaming Lips. I recently had Kid Congo, and if uh, Kid Congo is a goddamn legend, if you don't know that, and in the coming weeks, I'll have Leah Welbaum from Slothrust, and uh, so it's always it's always. Good guests coming on the podcast, and Caitlin Mulgard would be one of those. Um, Go to the show notes, too, if you want more things, Matt Dwyer. There's a Patreon. You can become a Patreon subscriber. There's, like, this episode, there's bonus material up on the Patreon. Often the interviews go so long that there's part two lives up on that, like the Kid Congo. That's a part two. Part two lives solely on the Patreon, and uh, there's videos, and I've been doing recordings like a separate podcast where I interview comedians And we talk about music And uh, that's been a lot of fun uh, Still working that out But uh, I'm getting more and more episodes of them trying to get that going weekly So become a Patreon subscriber Help support the show And get lots of bonus episodes And podcast people get a pin You Get a pin of the logo Which was created by Charlene Yee A former guest and a great artist musician So that being said Um check out themattdwyer.com. That will take you to all things me and my conversations with Dwyer. Instagram is also a great way to learn about what the hell goes on with this podcast. Okay, that being said, here is my conversation with Caitlin Molgard. <laughs> Bad waiters used to be called new, new dog. I don't, yes, I, the new
1: dogs. That was before I had a say in anything.
0: That's right. <laughs> I read that. I, that you, how? And I liked the name new dogs. What happened? In, I thought that was a cool name.
1: Well, we thought about it a little bit, and um, Google searches.
0: Oh, not good you yeah. got some
1: interesting results and also it's really difficult to scream at someone if you're in a loud bar no one hears it it's the double d sound in the middle that's uh doesn't translate so people weren't able to like hear what we were saying and i think bad waitress actually it took us like six months of sitting around coming up with every name under the sun. um it and I wish I still had a list of those names because they were pretty bad. But um, with bad waitress, it just—I don't know—it just said a, a lot about us all in a, in a way that the new dogs didn't. Right. You know? Yeah.
0: Were you? Pl- I'm gonna guess you were playing around town before before bed. Before bad jump. waitress. <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was. I was doing a lot of solo stuff, though. Uh, and I, I went through, like, um, a psych rock phase that lasted a couple of years. So I was doing that and just hiring people I knew to play with me. but And doing, like, blues kind of folky cover songs and stuff at, like, smaller places. Um, had a couple residencies which were fun to do. Um, and what else do they do? I don't know. I don't really want to go into that black hole area of being in a band with an ex. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's... I should have learned from Fleetwood Mac, but I didn't. So. <laughs> what
0: well, was, did you do any like solo folky stuff or was it all more like bluesy stuff? Bluesy psych
1: it was kind of in like i don't know this is what i thought at the time uh that it was kind of like the 60s late 60s folk revival kind of stuff um i was really into buffy saint marie and um uh
0: donovan (laughs) i love donovan like i
1: i love donovan
0: I feel, and actually, I've been hearing his name come up a lot lately in very in this my conversation thing, and then like outside, and that, really, yeah. And I feel like Donovan doesn't get—I mean, I know he's got his hits and stuff, but I feel like he doesn't get his due like he should.
1: Yeah, he did it. He did the uh, the airy, fairy, flowery folk thing, but like sexy. Yeah, and he has a really interesting voice too. You know,
0: I love the his songs.
1: Yeah, the songs are interesting, and yeah, I have nothing bad to say about Donovan.
0: Are you into the zombies at all? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That dude's voice, man. Talk oh, about my God. sexy.
1: It's so sexy. It's kind of like there's this uh kind of like, uh, real, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> you get what I'm talking.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, I just like I was like, the- and out of all those guys, like I'm not shit talking the stones the beatles or and and I'm also a big kinks fan but it's like that guy's voice I'm just like he just must have the the people who wanted to jump on him must have been plentiful <laughs> yeah yeah many
1: dog piles yeah
0: <laughs> I don't know what to say it. <laughs> but uh did you how did you, did you, was Donovan, like, a part of your, like, it was, how did you discover, like, that sort of stuff? Was that from your dad or just, uh, or family?
1: My, okay, so my dad is a big music fanatic, uh, but he's a white guy that works at a Harley dealership. So he likes Led Zeppelin and Cream and, you know, so I was introduced to those, like, classic rock guys uh and then when i t- started using the internet a little bit more i wanted to s- learn about their influences and i learn- and i just kind of went down that rabbit hole back when like i don't know i haven't looked at youtube in a while but there was a time where you could find all these like one-offs and stuff from that people just uploaded like crazy of music that i you know would probably be almost impossible to hear without the internet and it was just like you know it was just like a picture of like a single that a band had uploaded maybe the band only ever recorded like one track or something but i went down these crazy rabbit holes of finding like the weirdest psych rock and folk music and just yeah there's there was tons And um, because technology, as far as uh, music was related in, like, the late 60s, was speeding up and getting more and more exciting and interesting, like, the music is really weird. So it was, like, the, the invention of, like, all the different effects, pedals, and stuff. So, and, like ways of manipulating the tape and stuff. Everyone, everyone's just on acid, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was, cause like, when I was younger, like, you know, there, I didn't have internet. And so like, but for your generation and others surrounding, it, it's like the amount of influences you can get is, is unlike any, it's like, it's interesting to see what effect that will have in music overall. Yeah. Cause it's crazy.
1: It's overwhelming, in fact. Like, I I was thinking about it because everyone is like a bedroom producer now because all of the tutorials, everything is online. Uh, I find the whole technology, behind-the-scenes recording stuff to be absolutely, like, overwhelming. And to see people that are, like... 16, 17, just busting out these like hits is I'm just like, what the, you know, like I'm 87. I'm, I'm like born 87. So I am just like, I, you know, I'm in my thirties, let's be real. So, you know, like that makes me like still part of that nineties kind of latchkey kid. Didn't get my first desktop till I was like 13 kind of age group. I had a pager in 8th grade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised it, uh-huh. having,
0: it seems like those would make some kind of weird comeback.
1: It's, it, you know, I wouldn't be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text you when they do and be like, <laughs> "See,
0: there they are. It would be, it's absolutely pointless, but that's also seems like part of it. I had a pager and uh, I thought I was, yes. I was like the only guy who had one. So I was like real ahead of my time were we
1: preteen doctors? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, I was a preteen. Doctor. Paging.
1: <laughs> I think the only person that messaged me or like paged me was my boyfriend at the time who happened, who I never hung out with in person. Our relationship was all MSN messenger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've had those as well. And, uh, and I had one probably too late in life to have one, and I not like it was like we. I, it was just weird, and I just at one point I just went, "How lonely am I? Like, why am I? I'm like so lonely." <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. I think maybe our one of our evolutionary things will be we don't have the sense of touch anymore. <laughs> oh my god, that's so depressing.
0: <laughs> why did I say that? <laughs> that seems, yeah. Uh, I, but like going back to that internet, so how, when did you start, uh, playing guitar and, and just like sort of moving towards being a musician? Um, I started, I got my first guitar when I was 13 for Christmas. That seems to be the common age. That's interesting.
1: It is. Yeah. I think it's cause that's your coming of age
0: rebellious phase. Oh, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um, So then I started hating everything and thinking I was cool because I was moody. And (laughs) uh, obviously a guitar goes right along with that. (laughs) Also, all that angsty new metal that was coming out at that time was very heavy guitar.
0: (laughs) Who who did you immediately find yourself drawn to as a guitarist?
1: Uh, Jimmy Page, for sure, from Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I think that he, I don't know, he had this kind of like, there's kind of like an ego in his guitar playing because, for instance, there's the song Heartbreaker. He went in there, did the solo once, and peaced out. And yes, he was like a session musician and stuff for a long time, but if you listen to that solo, it's quite janky, and he's just like... That's that. That's good. And I've always been attracted to guitarists who treat the guitar or maybe, like, abuse the guitar. I don't know. But, like, treat it as a... I don't know. Strangely? Um, Like, what's his face? The guitarist for the Voidoids? Robert Quine? Keen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But his solos are just amazing, but, like, super fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) just they're just wrong. Like the notes are sour, it's very angular, um, and it's unapologetic. Unlike like I don't like Eric Clapton's guitar playing.
0: Yeah. He's
1: soft and noodly, kind of flaccid sounding and so I just I like someone who no matter what's gonna happen, they might not know what's hap- gonna happen, but they're just—they're gonna do it. They're gonna do it
0: and go full throttle into that guitar, you know. It—it's wild to me, like like you said, like some of his notes and stuff are sour or whatever. And it's like it's amazing how some people—and I—I wish I don't know if there's like a way to even explain it, but like some people can pull that stuff off, and other people do it. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's like You know what I mean? It's like, well, that was terrible, but like, there's something yeah. within that. It's amazing how someone's essence can come through their instrument, I guess is what
1: Absolutely. I mean. Absolutely. Um, I mentioned this often, but one of my like epiphany moments was watching, um, it was some bootleg footage of Buddy Guy in the late 60s playing. And so he was super young and super like, Ra rah, you know, like just, uh, yeah, he's so fucking cool. And Jimi Hendrix was watching him in the audience, in fact. And it was, yeah, there's like, it's like all this grainy, shitty footage. But so he's got, Buddy Guy has his backing band and they're playing in a key. He's getting so into it that his guitar breaks a string and goes out of tune completely. And he's just on the stage, on the floor, like bending into key with the band and it sounds so gross but still so hot like <laughs> it's so good my uh, and that's that's the magic moment right there yeah we
0: we saw him play like maybe five years ago and it's like you know he's he's gotta be like eighty years like he's up there and he I was like blown the fuck because I was like really? this dude is playing like with the energy of somebody who's 21 and just all over the place like physically just all and I was just like I was like this is one of the best live things I've seen and this guy is like 80 and he was like didn't give a fuck tore the shit out of the joint like it was unreal wow jealous
1: (laughs) but I also think go ahead I I was just saying like he must have a personal masseuse with him
0: (laughs) all the time my uh my the the person i'm married to she uh she used to work at his club in chicago she was like a waitress there and she would once in a while, and she's a photographer so she, once in a while she would like shoot stuff there and Fuck. but she she was like he's just like the best like he you know he would you know cook gumbo for everybody for christmas and just was like you know like wasn't like wow. hey i'm buddy guy he was like just part of everything and it just like
1: i'm just your buddy <laughs>
0: And he does, and I never saw it. But like in January, he'll do a residency for the entire month, and like it's just buddy.
1: Wow, because it's also
0: yeah, and it's just like cold as fuck there. So it's like that's the slowest month. So he's smart for him business wise. But if I could, I'd go. I would see that because he's just a monster.
1: Yeah. Oh man, I'm really jealous because I. I have not, but he's shaped so much of my personality as a guitar player. Not necessarily my playing style, but definitely, like, personality, which I guess is style in that regard. So, I yeah, that's, that's like, bucket list shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he still tours pretty heavily. Like, uh, you know, I mean, not now because of COVID, but I'm sure as soon as that shit gets done, I would be shocked if he doesn't come to Toronto regularly.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I would have... I'll be there. Let's just put it that way. Plus, you know, there. Chicago's like what <laughs> six hour drive. It's not as far as you'd think. Yeah, we passed through it a couple of times. I we we never actually played a show in Chicago, but we had to we had to stay a night there when we were on tour, and it was yeah, it was cold as hell. It was the middle of November, so
0: yeah,
1: it's the similar climate to Toronto.
0: Yeah, um, I've been to Toronto a bunch. I'd I'd love it. It's such a great. I mean, they're very similar to me, though your city's cleaner and I, I can't say this fully, but probably less racist because we're pretty. Chicago's like got that secret much, racism. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it's not even secret. Uh, the it's a shocker. We've seen like I don't know. We were in St. Louis. I forget what city uh, we were in, but yeah, we had these like drunk guys just randomly come into this tiny show we were playing and there was a a black man out there and these so these guys were like bros like like 40 year old like i don't know guys birthday or whatever like hammered and you know that like dangerous drunk like they were that kind of drunk and and they ended up we ended up having to like kick them out of the bar and then they were just screaming racial slurs down the street and i was like holy fuck like it was it was just like oh there it is
0: yeah there it is it's upsetting yeah. cuz chicago can be has such a great music scene and theater scene and like there's so much creativity there but they're on the flip there's this like meathead yeah faction that it just really ruins the city i mean don't ways.
1: get me wrong canada's bad canada's really bad too canada tries to um to like on the world stage uh, everyone does think that canada is this magnificent everyone's inclusive blah 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 kind of place but canada's huge and apart from the major cities it's t- it's tiny towns and like it's mostly white so that's just I mean that's a recipe for racism. That's just—I'm sorry, that's just how oh, it it's true. is. Unfortunately, it's true. Like, yeah, it's bad, and especially with the uh, the indigenous population in our country. Uh, it's just nothing you we can. It's nothing. Something someone like me can say or do to like explain the nightmare
0: of it. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I and mean, that's that's the problem with this country is there's these. Like, I've always lived in diverse areas, and it's like, there's just so many people who've never, like, they're, like, have these assumptions about ev- everything from, like, sexuality to race, and I'm just like, because you never met anybody. <laughs> it's like, read, exactly. at least read a book, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was dating a guy, um, like almost 10 years ago and he told, he was from a place called Churchill, Manitoba. You have to take a plane to get there and like a private tiny plane. And it's, they have like polar bears and shit, but he told me that when he was a kid, he was at the airport and he saw a black man and he went up to him and said, Michael Jordan. And the guy laughed, but he had, he was a kid that had never seen anything. Yeah, but
0: it's forgivable his, as a small you know? for a child because a child doesn't they you know they just see something. But I've seen like I've overheard in a like an elderly woman in an elevator turn to a, a a black guy and say like, "You must be so proud of Tiger Woods." And it, I just wanted to be like, "Oh my God!" He you know was like uh, you know but that's but it's just like fuck you old lady. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Is it, I don't know if it's like that personality uh, like in style, is that something you can expound? Cause that f- interests me, but I'm like, I don't know. Like if, that, is that something one can articulate or is that like your personality of playing? Is that, are, like I said, is that, a, are you able to articulate that or is that just some sort of like abstract thing that you feel when you play or experience?
1: Um, that's a good point. That's a good question. Uh, my guitar playing, when I say personality and style, I guess, I'm just... Uh, I don't know. It's like... It's its messy. Is what it is. Uh, I'm not trying to be clean. I'm trying to put on a show. And... I think that electric guitars particularly have the capacity to make the coolest sounds. And uh, when when you really dig into a solo, you know, like there are solos that the basic notes that I play, the basic runs, you know, the, the pl- pockets that I have to hit to be in sync with the rest of the music, they're, they're there, but, um, I always leave room for unpredictability because that's when things get exciting, you know? So I guess, yeah. Messy, janky, unpredictable <laughs> and, uh, but committed, uh, I guess those are some descriptors.
0: Yeah. <laughs> committed commit because I come from like, uh, and I don't Perform anymore, but I came from Second City in Chicago. You have a Second City in Toronto, but like commitment, as we know as performers, goes a long fucking way. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, I've watched Steve Albini doing like talk about because he recorded Page and Plant, and he talked about Uh, how he just talked about how Robert Plant, like he's just like the dude is just like I'm the fucking shit, like and not in an asshole way, but just like he's like, yep, that was great, and it's like, and you know, I mean, he's Robert Plant. So, but it's like but yeah. it's just like that well, sort of confidence and commitment. Yes.
1: Well that's the thing that okay, so being in bands and having to record and you know provide ideas, uh be shot down for your ideas. Um, uh you know you end up building a confidence that way because you stop holding your ideas and everything precious to you and i think it's similar with acting because you know you have to take the risk of of sucking before you can get to the goods so like i think the like i mean robert plant has been doing that for a gazillion years now but like for instance, I can I can go in the studio and be like and like record something listen to playback and be like, "Whoa, that was awesome." You know, and I can say that with confidence cuz I've played shitty so many times, you know, where I'm it's not like delusion or inflation of the ego. It's more just being able to look at the what you what you have done in a more objective way, and I think that's from being in in bands and playing long enough outside of like my bedroom or whatever whereas i think that there's that classic trope of like the closet guitarist or like the bedroom guitarist where they they're amazing but they they haven't had people tell them they suck or you know they haven't (laughs) you know like, for instance, there are people who are funny, uh, but they haven't had the experience of being, like, just torn down doing stand-up or something, you know? Yeah. I think that I think that it gives you grit, you know, going through that, going through this shit, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, having... And I think... Like, I just remember that as a... a fi- when you're f- finding your way and having people... And it hurts when someone's like, "No, man, not that." And it's it's and it hurts, but but because when you're young, also at least I had that disconnect where I was like, "I'm great, right? Like I'm just born to do this." And then you get that pummeling <laughs> that says, "Oh my
1: god, yes, yeah. the pummeling." Well, I um I actually I stopped playing guitar uh, for a number of years. I went to theater school. Oh. And I studied acting and well, it was musical theater. But in the first year of the program, they, you know, they everyone goes in being like, I'm the queen and king of my drama <laughs> program in high school. You know, oh, my God, I was I played every Gwendolyn character. There is. <laughs> oh, my God. I was always cast as a Gwendolyn. There was Gwendolyn Pigeon in The Odd Couple. And then, what's her name? Gwendolyn, something in um, The Importance of Being Earnest. A high school, high school kids doing The Importance of Being Earnest. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm not. That's not.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm a parent, and the parents have to sit there going, wow, that was so good. You know, like. <laughs> we're so proud of you, Johnny. Like how do high school kids have the insight enough to do the importance of being earnest? I I think it's amazing and hilarious.
0: (laughs) I'm always like, and not to say that some, but like when somebody is a great, I guess, you know, actor when they're very young and I'm like, where, like, are you just like from another plane or like, did you have like already have a lot of trauma? (laughs) just like, Like yeah, it's either
1: trauma or reincarnation. Like they've lived like thousands of lives, and this just you know they have like hundreds of years of experience. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know how else to explain it. (laughs)
0: Uh, Did you did anything from your acting world? Did you did that assist you transitioning to performing as a musician, or is is there anything did you?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I think that I'm comfortable when there's, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I see a lot of musicians who are super uncomfortable in between the songs. But I'm, I'm happy to talk to the audience and not be like, this is a new song, everybody. I hope, you know, and there's there's moments where there's technical difficulties. Someone's tripped over a patch cord and doesn't realize why their guitar is not working, you know? And, so, <laughs> you know, these are, like, issues. So people, so I'm usually the one that takes that role where I have to, like, banter with people uh, whilst Callie or... Nicole figure out what's going on you know yeah so that's my role I fill in the dead air
0: so <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting because too I when I when you said that about like somebody not realizing their guitar is working or something and I think in uh, and maybe I'm wrong but like in performance in general people fear pockets of silence or spaces where there isn't something And there's a comedian that I, and he's like fairly successful, but like still, it doesn't matter. His name's Dwayne Kennedy. And I've never seen anyone play with silence like he does. Like he'll take these pauses, but it's like most comics will panic and be like, I gotta gotta talk and make, fill the space and get a laugh. And it's like, he'll take these moments and it's just like, it adds so much power to what he's doing. And I, I think that's something that could be benefited and a lot, a lot of people could learn from that. Cause I think like, yeah, like cause yeah. your guitar goes out. A lot of people are going to panic and be like, Oh fuck shit. I gotta, it's like, if you're comfortable in that moment, you know, if you can yeah. make it something great and find something new.
1: Yeah. I think that's, it's, um, is very similar in that regard. Um, not only with just like playing with silence in music itself, you know, um, I mean, that creates, like, a, an ultimate dynamic. Like, if you have silence and then... Or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and there's that element of surprise that keeps people interested. Um, as far as things going wrong... Uh, oh, my God. This... I could... I could write you the longest list <laughs> uh, of shit that I've experienced. Like... I had, a couple years ago, we had a drummer from another band, bar fall Over, Eva's <laughs> drum kit. Uh, I once played a song in the complete wrong key and didn't realize till halfway through. Started laughing hysterically about it and fell over into the wall, but kept playing... Um, <laughs> yeah i don't know man like there's just so many instances i had a moth fly into my armpit (laughs) uh during this like we have this song called live in reverse and it's like in the in the middle of the song there's uh, there's this like epic like all the band drops out and it's just me playing this like dramatic solo thing and right at my, i was outside so and this big moth blew into my armpit and i was like ah! and I just had to like roll with the punches of the fluttery the, the, the wings <laughs> i don't know okay. <laughs> uh
0: but it's like you know even painters will say that like an, a mistake or something like that those or if you fuck up those are gifts and you find and you turn it into something
1: yeah, and I think that's really the essence of um, of why people are drawn to uh, certain artists. I really think that those mistakes are what ground us and uh, make us more relatable to each other. Um, it's our humanity, and we're all just a bunch of fuck ups, you know. <laughs> so being able to being able to see that reflected in, uh, and and then made into something cool is like. It's,
0: uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting yeah. point. Because, like, when you say that, I was, like, getting an image because there's some of those performers where they're, like, very, like, it's me, and it's, like, so then when they do fall on stage, you're, like, good.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, I love that. I mean, no. Cause that's all... what they call <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. <laughs>
0: oh, I, was just, I wanted to go back because when we were talking about the personality of your playing and I was, like, I was wondering when you, when you joined Bad Waitress, if... Does that, aff- playing with, like, a new sound or or something that's joining somebody, did that affect your approach and your personality, or did you just be like, I'm going to keep doing what I do?
1: Oh, it absolutely. Um, what it did was embolden me. Um, it was like, I don't know. Um, we... I guess we laugh at ourselves and we uh, and we're like historically big dorks and everything, and the <laughs> historical dorks
0: <What laughs> is that? I, Sorry. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even notice, and I'm the king of doing that anyway, so you know i i so I just roll <laughs> with it,
1: oh my god um, and so I think that. <sighs> I was, okay, I was playing with a lot of dudes who had been to, like, Humber jazz school and stuff, you know? So I felt really, that wasn't my area. Like, I felt really alienated. Um, I didn't know as much. And so I kind of kept quieter. um, And I didn't infuse my personality into my playing, as much. but then when I joined Bad waitress, it was like, oh, none of you guys know anything about music, but you're still inherently talented. Um, so I can do whatever I want because you guys are doing whatever you want and it it's just it was just really exciting. and, and they were really good at building my confidence you know cuz i didn't feel like anyone was judging me harshly or improperly about my playing anymore and through that it gave me the it gave me a playing field to experiment and and, and through that get better you know so my my playing has improved like oodles and oodles comparatively cuz before i was just scared to play I was nervous. I was self-conscious about it, but because they helped me feel confident and trust in my ability, then I was able to just like go forth and rock and roll.
0: <laughs> I have found, and this isn't like everybody who is like overly, not overly, but like trained and like you were saying, those the guys from the jazz thing. It's like a lot of, uh, of, not all, but people, I've met people from that, those worlds who are very critical of playing and sometimes they're like, yeah, but you know, their instrument, blah, 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 you know, they'll throw. And I'm like, what about feeling? What about, you know, like a lot of people shit on old blues. Cause like yeah, it's three chords. Anybody could do that. It's like, yeah, but what about the feeling and the emotion and all those other things that go into it?
1: Yeah. Well, that's the big thing too, is my, one of my other through. So going down that rabbit hole of, Learning about music and the roots of certain genres uh, was my deep dive into Mississippi blues and like old, old like torch songs, things like that. And like they were, they, I, that the, the humble beginnings of that music makes it so raw in and, and like. I don't know, the desperation of it, the um, limitations of it, the restrictions, you know, but also the um, incredible emotion that comes out of it is, is like beyond anything. Like I, I'll listen to like, there's a song by Robert Pedway called Catfish Blues and I'll listen to that and I'll cry Or, you know, um, there's a, was it Geeshy Wiley does a song called uh, Last Kind Words? Fuck. (laughs) Like, that's, that's that's darkness. That's, like, deep, dark. Like, you know, like, she's talking about dying and having her remains left in a field to be picked by buzzards, you know? Like, it's, 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 uh... And that's, like, old blues music. Like, that's... I'm sorry, but that's way more metal than any of that fucking shit, you know, like...
0: Yeah, as you were saying that, I was thinking, like, those... There's these songs that, I guess, you know, if you break them down, they're very simply constructed or not... But not... Or, you know, it's three chords. But it's like, those songs will give me more emotion and feel and take me to a place far more than something intricately, you know, not to poo-poo that but it's like you know it just goes to show you the power of music it could be this simple but it's like the person the essence the and that will just take you apart
1: yeah yeah absolutely and there are certain realms certain genres of music that people uh you know i'm like jazz if i go and see a jazz performance live that is like i'm in it i'm like sitting there like, oh, my God, what's, what are they going to do next, you know? But do I listen to it on a day-to-day basis? No. You know what I listen to? I listen to idols. I listen to them screaming their working class, like, fuck you to Trump sort of music. Like, they have a lyric that says, with Kathleen Hannah with a bear claw grabbing Trump by the pussy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, like like that's that's what I like to pump into my head when I'm going to this grocery <laughs> store, okay? So you can have your jazz. I'll be over here having a great time. <laughs> have you seen the there's a video um, it's like the spinal tap spinal tap. My favorite thing in the world is spinal tap. Um, oh, but they're they're it's like them in the green room talking about jazz, and they're like well, it's all, it's music all about mistakes. You know, that's why they play so quietly. They're like, oops, 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 oops.
0: (laughs) God, I got to revisit that. I haven't seen it in so long.
1: That's actually not from the movie. You have to like Google it. It's one of those like random like things because they did like a bunch of other stuff after the actual movie. But yeah, watch
0: that. I died.
1: (laughs) And still die every
0: time. Did you? Because this came up recently, but have you seen the um, documentary Rebel about Link Ray? But it's also because. I haven't. It also because it goes back to the blues, but what I didn't know and I was shocked I didn't know is that how much blues wasn't just associated with like the black culture, like, but it was also the indigenous, and they, because they were put in like these camps and stuff together. So they, the, like, the indigenous music and the, like this, you know, the spirituals and whatnot and all that, that the, that the black people were, it it all intermingled. And I had like, I had like a lot of the style of singing, like Robert Johnson, I guess was, uh, I may have been indigenous in like, or half indigenous. I can't remember, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I had no idea that those things were so intermingled, but it makes wild sense.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to watch that because I would love, to learn more about that for
0: sure. Like, yeah that's cool. I was blown away and you know, Link Ray, that guy's also a goddamn guitar monster.
1: What's that story about him like slashing his amps to get that sound? <laughs> oh, that's right. I
0: forgot about that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, and i got someone told me like a couple of days ago that he also had like throat cancer or something at one point and like he overcame that like so his that fire and brimstone record i think is after him like sort of recovering from that
1: and wow that's so interesting there's also um do you know skip james that blues
0: musician i know the name but i don't i can't say any i know the music
1: yeah, well I wrote a uh, wrote,
0: yeah, right.
1: <laughs> I read a, <laughs> I read a book about him. It was like his biography. And um it was like basically the, the guy who uh did all the research and interviewed him and everything was like would I do it again? No. Skip James is a fucking asshole But damn does he make you cry Cause he, you should listen to his voice His voice is amazing But that's because when he was in one of these um, He was in He got testicular cancer And had to get Them Taken away or his balls <laughs> taken away or something I don't know anything about testicular cancer But It raised his voice Wow Yeah, And it made it so beautiful It's really crazy. You have to hear it. But I did. I was like, why is this guy so fucking haunting? And it's because he didn't have testicles. I mean, not why, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it had an impact.
0: (laughs) I'll I'll check that out afterwards. That's crazy. But then it's like, you know, what a blessing and a curse. Like what a, you're like, I have this great career. I have no balls.
1: But I'm going to do what I can with it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he was like infamously like an asshole. Like he uh, stabbed people, and you know, just ended up in prison a lot. But
0: yeah, it's always write a song. It's always crazy <laughs> to me that like someone can create such beauty and also be such a monster, like a vicious.
1: Oh man, it's crazy. Phil Spector. Oof.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: oh my god what a psycho asshole demon that guy was but also like discovered and made some of the most incredibly luscious music of the 60s and 70s so what I don't know what we're supposed to do with that.
0: <laughs> I just, I it just like makes me wonder is like, do you, was, was that just because he was given such a license to be an asshole in, cause in those days you could go relatively unchecked or. Was, I think like, so. To
1: be honest, I, I do think so. Um, you know, like, I know mean, like the whole thing with Woody Allen and, and Roman Polanski, you know, like, I have a really, I, I love Rosemary's Baby. I love that movie. But I, I, I get this icky feeling when I go to watch it, knowing now what I do know about Ugh. them. You know, like, I can't even watch a Woody Allen movie anymore.
0: I can't either. And I was a huge fan. And, and I just, like, I can't, like, I can't, it, I can't it's separate such- the two.
1: It's just so lame, you know, and like J.K. Rowling, like the stuff coming out about her being like, like not even trying to cover up the fact that she's being transphobic, like it's very difficult to think of Harry Potter in the same light after she's openly said stuff like that you know it's really hard i hate when people do that it's like why you fucking suck so hard like why you gotta do that
0: and it's yeah it's just it's weird i that that line of where you separate the artist and the person i i yeah uh, you know i mean we all make mistakes and people you know it sometimes you you know addiction and all these things can make you but it's like but if you don't, if you're not trying to at least grow or change or move away from that, but it's like, I don't like, I don't know. Like there's certain, like Peter Sellers is one of my favorite actors, but he was also, uh, you know, there's a quote in a book I read about him. And it was like, genius is an excuse for bad behavior. And it's like, I think mm. you know you give you're given you're worshipped to a level, and then you're just like, and I'm all you're already a mess because he was insane.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely, <laughs> Yeah, I do think that when you when people um, discover that they can tap into someone's resources, even though they're it, it's not good. You know, it's it's it can cause. Some uh, major damage. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if the whole thing about like Marilyn Manson being canceled now, too. Like, I mean, I didn't really, that wasn't, that didn't come as a huge shocker to me, but it's, <laughs> but it's a huge bummer, you know? And I just feel so much for the people who had to, like, you know, he was constantly getting work and being put on a pedestal, even though these, like, people were being abused and destroyed and having their lives taken apart, you know, but he had this protective barrier of money and clout that couldn't be touched. So it's just,
0: yeah, it sucks. I have a friend and who was a guy that he stalked and threatened and like, cause he met the guy was like a young man and was in a band and like one of Manson's girlfriends was hanging out and, he was just like, he was like, I innocuously invited her to come back and play with us and like, hang out. And like, he wasn't like, I wasn't hitting on her. I wasn't doing anything. I was just inviting a person I liked to come hang out with us again. And this is like the MySpace days. And he posted like the messages he got from Manson and like, he was like, he, like threatening him. And he was like, you know, he was like threatening to ruin my career. He's like, I'm a 21 year old stoner who's unemployed. Like, good luck. <laughs> And I guess it was Wh-
1: like, why, why?
0: Yeah. It's, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, he clearly, I don't know. Like, but I guess like people, his management and like people knew, like it wasn't a, sh- like, so people, that's that one thing that really drives me nuts is people covering like, you know,
1: well, that's the thing because no matter what, like even my band, we have a team behind us. It's not just the four of us. I mean, we're the ones that definitely make like the, the, the decision. So whatever you see is, are half-baked ideas, but (laughs) like they're getting the, uh, we're getting the okay from people when it comes to things that require budget and stuff. So that's partially their fault. (laughs) (laughs) Love you guys. but, But, you know, like, like, so, so there are tons of people in the know behind the scenes that are actively working for these people, for their careers, to make sure that what people see and what they don't see,
0: so. Yeah. Uh, and like, when you're somebody like at Manson and his height, you're yanking, and you know people are becoming wealthy off of him, and having these access to wild absolutely. Like it's it has a. I just I don't know how somebody could be that soulless to be like I'm going to turn a blind eye to this because well yeah. I got a house in Vale now.
1: Yeah, I mean to be honest, I I've grown up poor. Uh, you know low-income housing and shit i don't know what it's like to have money but i so i don't really i don't know what that's like to to have that value system where wealth is is and holding on to everything like with like white knuckles is super important you know because we don't have anything it's like you don't have to lose anything you're just like okay okay Hope I make rent, <laughs> yeah you know, like I grew up eating a lot of mac and cheese. Uh, yeah.
0: I think that's there's a reason why all the great spiritual leaders tell you that money isn't worth anything and and ego should be killed. It's like because it leads to nothing good,
1: yeah, it leads it leads to stuff that doesn't matter, that's the thing, it's just like it leads to extraneous, complicated bullshit, uh, you know and. Like Our whole world is, is governed by people who are just obsessed with holding on to things and keeping and, and being the most of something, having the most of something. Um, and I don't get it. I, I can't get it because, I mean, I have the most of my you know, giant ginger mullet that (laughs) I, I hold on dearly to that, but that's the closest. That's the only thing I can relate it to. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I know. I've like, I've had moments in my life where I'm like, Hey, I'm doing all right financially. And then, you know, the next year I'm like, I'm I'm getting assistance again. And, but it's like, I'm happy. Like I've, I've, I've like, I think if I would have had early success as like, a, as a early 20 something, man, I would have been on one of those celebrity rehab shows, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> but I'm like, I would rather, <laughs> I'd rather struggle and have a shitty car and be happy with my life and the people that I'm around than some paranoid, wealthy dude.
1: Yeah. The paranoia that comes with that. Oh my God. Constantly looking over your shoulder, wondering who's trying to steal from you this time you know yeah well that's why they they say like people who win the lottery the, the the amount of people who commit suicide after winning the lottery is like terrifying because all of a sudden everyone wants something everyone looks at them differently they spend their money on really really ridiculous shit and then they end up broke you know like it's really scary
0: you take, it. it yeah. <laughs> you take, you, you've taken your life out. And same way. I thought like with the stock, when the stock market crashed in the thirties or whatever, it's like people took their lives because they lost material wealth. And it's like, you're yeah. a fucking idiot. You should jump yeah. off a building. Cause you're that dumb.
1: <laughs> I was to. reading, <laughs> was it the book, uh, devil in the white city. It's that book about, yeah. about H.H. H. Holmes and like the Chicago world's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, they do like, there's this looming, um, terrifying thing going on during the whole world's fair where like i I guess it's because like the world war one was ramping up and stuff but tons of banks were going under and like all these like high up executives were taking their lives they were dropping like flies and this was like the 1890s so you know i don't know it's like okay Good for real. Oh like, my god! You're...
0: I won't have someone to draw my bath anymore. How can I live? <laughs> <laughs> uh... Who will bring me my crackers and tea? <laughs> um, I don't know if this is a. a, 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 a I read that bad wait there's an, a satirical element to Bad Waitress, and I was wondering how, what can you def- is that something that's defined or is it just something that is or is that not even true.
1: Um, we don't take ourselves seriously. When we try, it's hilarious. Any, anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I live like kind of where I live in this joke land of my own, where if I make the joke before anyone, then I can't, I don't know, I don't get hurt. You know, it's that classic, like, I'll bully myself before a bully can do it. I don't know, whatever. Um. But yeah, we all come from, like, Callie's from the Northwest Territories. She's from, like, way up the Arctic Circle, like, middle of nowhere, you know, jamming in sheds, you know, with, like, no population. There's, like, nobody up there. So moving to the big city, I I think, like, her and I kind of, uh, we met when we both had moved to Toronto. We didn't know anyone. Everything was just, like whoa, what's that? What's that? What's that? And I think that uh, our lives at that point became gong shows because we were trying to we were trying to meet people. We were trying to have fun and learn and, you know, we wanted to be professional musicians and shit, but we also just got hammered and, like, raced in shopping carts and, you know, just did, did the dumbest shit. Had no money, but we were funny, you know? And so it was just like, yeah, there I don't know. We've just life is a joke <laughs> sometimes, you know? And I think that we a lot of our songs have to do with like stuff that's painful but true and there's comedy in that. There just is, you know? And uh so yes, yeah, so there is satire in everything we do to a degree. Um Like I I was referring to Spinal Tap, like watching that movie is amazing. Like I could, uh, it's so satisfying to watch that because I've seen people in the music industry take themselves so seriously, uh, all the time. And it sounds so exhausting. I find that just like being able to infuse humor into being in a, in a band is, it's kind of like the magic ingredient You know, like even (laughs) there's all these I was looking up like we're doing a photo shoot tomorrow. And I was like, cool band photos, you know, just like the inspiration (laughs) for a photo shoot. And I just got it was just like a bunch of dudes standing (laughs) against brick walls, moody blue lighting. Everyone's super serious, and uh, I had a good laugh.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I want to thank so in you. In a
1: roundabout way, yes. Yes. Everything is satire.
0: <laughs> thank you. Uh, I've had a great time talking to you, and I love your band. And th- thank you so much for taking the time out to do this. It was really. You're great. There, I said. I it. had you're a
1: great. blast.
0: Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Wire. Please become a Patreon subscriber. If you like, also subscribe to the show on your iTunes or what have you not, and tell your friends about the show. That would mean a lot to me. As well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or themattdwire.com or Conversations with Wire at the Instagram, and you could learn more about the show, buy merch, and all those great things. Thank you very much for listening. song that played me in has to do with, um, God fucking...